Welcome to Keepers of the Word, the Mystic Lantern Book Club. We're reviewing Mitch Horowitz's book, Occult America. This is part one podcast. We're going to go chapters one through... Chapters one through six. six. And what we're going to do is we're just going to cover some key points on this. So that way you can take away something and maybe go get the book and check it out. Because he gets into real depth, right? Absolutely. It's not like he's... He's, he's talking about something. He's really taking you down the over. road. So, like, you know, the first chapter where he says, uh, what is the occult? And his his uh, encounters with a, with the Zolar, which is, mm-hmm. you know, you put in a dime and it right, gives you right. a fortune. Get, and get he wanted scroll. to know where that came from and yeah. what, why, you know, it interested him. Really sparked enough for him, yeah. to start looking somewhere. So, going forward was... It, we're, we're talking about occult America. We're talking about how that came over here and why is it here? So the psychic highway chapter one, right? And Lee. And Lee, uh, and Lee is from Manchester, England. She was, uh, kind of known over there for, uh, being a sorceress. Being a sorceress. Yeah. She was beaten and jailed left. Uh, she left England for America, made her roots in upstate New York. Kind of the um, uh, kind of the beginnings of the Shaker movement within the U.S. I mean, correct. Uh, why were they known for that? Why were they called the Shakers? Because well, that's they, what they actually did. Yeah, they have. <laughs> they, it was they were kind of they kind of had the mentality and the the religious background of the Quakers, but they had violent fits of speaking in tongues and 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 writhing around in the holy spirit and shaking and they became known as the shakers so um you know mitch has started us along the psychic highway giving us this this passage of the beginnings of the occult in america with with the basis of of religions and spirituality and all of that. And this psychic highway was the beginning of it all. Also known as the burnt over district. That's where it all began. Um, and that's where you have people like, uh, Miller, uh, who was a Baptist, uh, Mesmer, Joseph Smith, and I believe Jemima, Jemima Wilkinson, right? Jemima Wilkinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, Mesmer wasn't, Mesmer was from, he was from, he was from, he was from, then, uh, no, he was from Germany. Germany. If they right. weren't yes. from there, they tended to go towards there to start something. Everything came from this area. Correct. And me, me, speaking of Mesmer, he, Hence the um, highway. he wrote something of, of called, I think it was mag, Magnet, uh, animal, animal, magnetism. Animal, magnetism. animal magnetism. And that's where the mesmerism came from. Um, then going into Joseph Smith. Now, if you don't know who that is, then... Check out Mormonism. <laughs> yeah, Joseph. He founded Smith, that. Joseph Smith started Mormonism. He was, he was a, uh, I forget what what Mitch referred to him as, but he was definitely interested in metaphysics and he was a having, seer, having vi- seer exactly yeah, seer, referred seer to him stones. as a seer, and and that's where he found the the golden tablets, golden tablets, and, the lost tribe of Israel, and started right. the. Book of Moroni or whatever. Moroni. 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 Yes. Book of Moroni. Angel Moroni. No disrespect to the Mormons. <laughs> um, so going into Jemima Wilkinson, spirit, she she had her first spiritual order of women, right, or by a woman, first American woman to have her own spiritual order, and she was also known as the Universal Friend. 
Um, it's what she wanted people. She to wanted write. people she to change her name. Yeah. 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 So going down the psychic psychic highway, you have Mitch Horowitz painting this picture of all these different people who have paved the way for the occult. And but when you think about the occult and you're talking about, okay, well, this is Christianity. Well, yes and no, because it's kind of delving into other things when we're talking about, you know, seers and, you know, people who can fortune tellers, people who can tell, you know, the future and so on and so forth. It's, it's, it's kind of bending that rule in Christianity where you can't do this. This is considered heresy. And that's why a lot of these people came over here because they wanted to practice religious yeah, freedom. This, this is a safe haven for right. them. But in, in the history books, they're not talking about this. They're, talk, they they're, they're talking about, okay, people just wanted to practice their own way of Christianity. No. Well, no, it was right. very different. This is, yeah, the Christianity wasn't fleeing Christianity or Catholicism wasn't fleeing the Catholic Church. These, these were very progressive ideas very within progressive. the already built structures of whether it was the Baptists or the Pentecostals or, or what have you, Catholics, all of the different religions that were already there, these were progressive thinkers that were incorporating some form of metaphysical ideas or spirituality. They into, were expanding. They were expanding. Yeah, they were expanding exactly. the, the view of Christianity and all that stuff. So this kind of segues into us into chapter two, which is Mystic America. And which also brought up a name, Henry Steele Alcott, the colonel. Um, he was celebrated by Hindus and Buddhists over there in India, um, most southeast, well, southwest Asia, I believe. Mm. Um, but in the United States, people don't know who the hell he is or, you know, people who didn't don't study the occult. Or, or right. I have a quite large selection of his, of Alcott? Of his books. Correct. Okay. So then you know that he was friends with Blavatsky. H.P. Blavatsky. So do you want to segue into Blavatsky? Sure, Blavatsky. Okay. Blavatsky's a very um, unique character. I have probably three shelves dedicated Just to Blavatsky. Just Blavatsky. Interesting. Yes. A lot of Blavatsky. So the, the book that I think they're talking about is Ritual Dogma, Transcendental Magic. magic? The Transcendental Magic, they talk about... Um, you know, Alcott was putting together, you know, he came a little bit later with Blavatsky. Blavatsky came to the Burnt Over District. Um, she heard about it and all the things that were going on. She had friends that were coming uh, back and forth from there. So when she came to America, that this is, she made a beeline for the Burnt Over District. And but it was interesting on, on the little details that, you know, the, the messenger that materialized. So this messenger is brought up quite a bit. Really? Uh, it would really freak people out. She'd be at a dinner table with probably like 30 people. And, uh, you know, these people, whether they, you know, were drinking a little too much or whatever, you want to try to make this go away or whatever. Um, a gentleman would materialize. He would unravel from nothing, unravel and appear, hand her something, and then jump and fold into himself. And disappear and freak people out. People <laughs> like, didn't know this or some kind of gin or something like he popped you out. Know, the, so the the, there's, the there's other books that yeah. talk about this. The people who study it and they, they think it was gin or something like that. He was a messenger. Um, you know, she, <clears throat> she talk, calls him her friend. He would appear and stuff like that. Pretty pretty cool. Um, 
really awesome stuff. Um, but he would hand her stuff, and uh, there was a moment where he, she was eating dinner. He appeared, gave her a scroll, and she says, I have got to get back to India now. And uh, she set on her way. You know, I mean, that's not a big undertaking. Yeah, and I think that was I mean, that's pretty, pretty big, you know. If we go go into that area, I think it was around the time was eighteen eighteen seventies, and that's when late eighteen seventies, and that's when her and Alcott went to India and started studying more and writing. She, she went back to India, so she was already in India. She already traveled. Um, you know, you think about it. She was very progressive at her time. She was a female by herself. She was a leader herself, and um, she traveled the world in parts where you know. You, you really weren't allowed to do that, but she had the money and backing and people with her to go do that. It seemed to be a, you know, I'm kind of jumping off topic as far as, as far as what chapter we're on, but it does seem to be a, a commonality amongst all of the, the chapters that Mitch talks about how women are so involved in these movements, these religions, yes. these spiritualism, and it just goes to show how progressive it was. I mean, there was a ton of women empowerment the, within that specific area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a ton of it. Well, you see, you find a lot of the, the schools uh, for teachings uh, broke boundaries and rules and laws that really were meant to limit a, a human being. We're just talking about a human being in general. You know, you always have these laws that are put in place to say, don't do more than this. Be happy with just this. And with the occult, you know, the danger to these groups that I won't mention that set these laws is to inhibit man, inhibit human beings from achieving a higher state because now they, they can't control you because this comes from within, from well, the, the self. The other thing was that we have to remember that this was a time during post-Victorian era, just after the end of the Victorian era. And Victorian era was very much about about a of a paternal control of of everything from family to society yes. to religion and so this was a new era of breaking away from that that paternal control and allowing women to have a say have a voice create these orders um, it it births the suffragette movement and eventually moved into which will con- Talk about in further chapters the the abolitionists and the end of of slavery as well right. went right along with this whole whole thing. And I know we're probably cutting off a lot by moving from. There's a lot of this, content. I mean, there's in this. so much content in this chapter meaty, alone. It's very heavy. Right. It, I mean, we're just covering tips of it. Um, there's so much more. So you know, when you're following along with, you understand. Um, chapter three going into the Ouija. Now, yes. I thought that was, that was, that didn't come from here or, or it wasn't, it wasn't, well, it technically it didn't. They, they said it was used in the times of Pythagoras. That's yes. where it originally came they from, claim. right? Well, they, they claim. claim. They, they claim. claim. Writing boards, okay. though, writing boards were Writing boards have been around. To, yes. um, the Ouija board came from what was known as writing boards, and writing boards did have a history prior to the actual Ouija board the birth of the Ouija board in the first the company States. that took it and rode with it was called Kennard Novelty Company um, out of Baltimore. And then I believe brothers, uh, some brother. Yeah. Two brothers owned it. And then one of them, um, William Fold um, ended up taking the patent and using it and doing his own thing with it. Correct. I um, have one of those boards. Wow. I have an original 
Maybe next time second on our edition. second, on our next one, we could bring it with. Should you I bring it? Yeah, I'll I think you it. should just to check, so we could check it out. Um, I believe after this was created, and it was in the late 1800s, correct? Uh, this was uh, nine, which one? The 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 Ouija board. Uh, with, 1920. 1920. 1920 is when it. No, 1920 was a boom for it. That's when it was started. Uh, 1920. No, nope. Says right here, 94 article. 1920s in 1920, the Baltimore Sun report. The patent for Ouija or Egyptian luck board was Egyptian filed on May 28th, 1890. Ah. 1890. There you go. Okay. 1890, so 1920. That was the boom in 1920. So it had about 40 yeah. years, and now it's starting to boom. Yeah. Right. Because uh, now in the 1920s, you have more access to things, and people are more comfortable. Correct. And at that time, you know, well, then you have they were pushing it. Norman Rockwell drew drew and did a painting yes. with two couples having fun playing yeah. with a on mystic the, board. On the cover. That's, that's very American <laughs> Mystic right there. talking board. Yeah. Right. Right. And I remember growing up, you know, you had, I think it was Parker Brothers. That Parker Brothers had it, yes. They, they owned the license. and They purchased yep, it. They bought they, it. They would throw it out there, you know. And, it was a huge hit for them. It still, it still is. It was yeah. second only to who? It was, well, for a while it was number, it, it took it number one. over Monopoly. Monopoly. Wow. Can you believe that, guys? Monopoly is a household name. And so is Ouija board, whether you use it or not, or it's allowed yeah, your house people or know not. What a you Ouija know exactly board is. what it is. It's whispered amongst the kids, right. and then the, your, your parent smacks you in the head, and says, "Don't, don't Didn't talk about that." Didn't we see somebody who, who was making them out of gravestones recently? Uh, wi- uh, wisp, Parawisp. Parawisp. Yes, yes. If, if you want to see some really cool gravestone Ouija board, she she cuts down uh, or tombstones. she gets tombstones that are no longer you know they're being repurposed. Yeah, they're being these, repurposed. These are being removed respectively. And they're being, you know, they're they're redoing uh, graves. Yeah, uh, grave and stuff. she's using that stone and creating Ouija yes. boards out of it. I mean, it's amazing work. Yeah. You got to check her out. I, I will say, yeah. yes. As somebody who I actively seek Ouija boards, I collect them. I love them to death. Um, I've I've tried to have these be made by like authentic like chess makers who make this authentic opulent ones, and and they actually told me no, we will not do it. Our guys won't touch it. Uh, they, they will there's, not build it for me. There's such an error amongst mm-hmm. so many people. They have this this idea that it's of some evil design or right. dark spirits or something. People the fear what they do not thing. know or understand. We, we fill in the blank with True. fear. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So Para Wisp, she makes these. They're amazing. It's one of the most beautiful uh, Ouija boards I've, I've seen on the market and off the market. Yeah. They're 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 one of a kind type of type of deal. She's, she's out, out Germany, of Germany. Yeah. Germany. And now we're saying we're going into chapter four, science of right thinking. You want to jump on that? Yeah, we're talking yeah. about Wallace Waddles. <laughs> he was a Methodist <laughs> minister uh, and Christian socialist. Um, he's talking about freeing the mind, and uh, basically, this is the the birth of positive thought. Positive thought. This is something I personally like. I collect. I, I like this too. I like this a lot. I feel f- through my practices, I've uh, resulted in, in very positive results. Um, this is something. This is uh, like the this pl- is placebo effect. Correct. And this basically. is like this is what gave say, what gave life to people like Dale Carnegie, absolutely, and, right. um, yeah, Eckhart is, Tolle, right? Uh, the great. This is the early, early birth. Yeah, of right. The, the early version of, of this the, of of the posters that they have in corporate America Correct. for positive thinking right. and, 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 you know, improving yourself. Right. 
I, I was lucky early on in my practices to come across this stuff, the Christian science part. And I was like, Christian science? We're just science in this. And when you get exactly into it, right. I'm like, wow. It just makes sense. It, you don't need to be a, like a believer in this. It's like, you know what? If I want to feel good today and I think about it, I can plant that seed in, in my, my head, you know? And, and it may not work that day, but the next day and the next day, you, you start to get better and stuff like that. So this is basically healing or, or, or having uh, a thought in your head come to fruition. Correct. And Through I think, prayer in, in their instances. And, and I think Waddles recognized that this was a scientific, you know, e- even if he— even if he couldn't explain it in the terms that we would understand today, it was psychology, right. 100% psychology. 100%. And he recognized that it was scientific, and yet he he agreed that you needed to live by a certain code of a of a Christian type of, right. of thing. So the Christian science was the birth of, of what he was doing with, with this new right-thinking movement that right. he was promoting. Yeah, this is really big up on my bookshelves. I have some stuff from like 1900s, 1914, like really cool stuff. Yeah, this is this is very interesting side of things because it's kind of it's kind of like okay, well now I know where a lot of people got this from, uh, and you th- and you think about people like Tony Robbins, right? And I'm not saying that he directly is related to this, but I'm saying that type of thinking, that right. that type of mindset, and the way the philosophy and the psychology moves in together, it works in a positive way and the positive. Power of positive thinking. They, they were doing things that they didn't have names for yet. Categories, absolutely. Of things. You know, this is absolutely. the early, early birth of that. Um, definitely have to give a shout to Mary Baker Eddy, who took over after uh, you know people started dying. You know, from old age, they're, they're the leaders of this. And again, another female that that took place uh, that took over and and really ran the church and made it what it is today. Um, they are still around today. Um, they're not too too much spoken of, but they are around today. Anytime I see a book from them, I will purchase it on site. Uh, you don't find them that often. Chapter five now. The Mail Order Prophet. Frank B. Robinson came up with a concept called Psychiana. Mail Order Religion. Yeah. He money was, back guarantee. He, he guaranteed it. He guaranteed money back and had plenty of people that were happy to give their testimony about his what they had gotten in their life from his his writings and his preachings and all of the stuff that he talked about. And really, um, Robinson was at the forefront of, of personally what I would think of as as tele-evangelism. I mean, it, was, it was an early form. It's a form. new way of marketing. It was absolutely marketing. And he got that, and he took a, he took a big risk by putting out an ad and um, and got responses to it, and I, I believe that in the book it said at one point Psychiana had something like two million followers or something like that in America. So um, unfortunately, he put so much of his efforts into Psychiana and continued to spend the money back into advertising again that he really he never, didn't make it. He didn't really yeah. make a lot of money right. from it, you know? Yeah. But it was definitely a... If you would have had the Shark Tank folks, you would have made it. You would have made a killing, Yeah. you know? So that moving into Chapter 6, this is our final chapter. This is where we're going to end it for today, and then we'll continue on in a week. Um, chapter 6, Go Tell Pharaoh, The Rise of Magician 
The rise of, of the magic. magician. The rise of, of. I'm sorry. The magic. Oh. Go tell Pharaoh the rise of magic in right Afro America. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Oh. Sorry, sir. Frederick Douglass, born a slave in 1818. A pivotal point in Frederick's life is when he came across a man known as Sandy Jenkins, Sandy also known as Jenkins. the an old advisor known for being a hoodoo root, root worker. Yeah. So what's the difference between hoodoo and voodoo, James? Hoodoo and voodoo. So hoodoo, you're going to have more of, well, basically, it, it, let me just break that down. Uh Oh, actually, I was going to... Who, who do, according to what Mitch was talking about in the book, who do has more to do with the, you know, the healing and the... Yeah, the plants, and the, and the plants and the... And the, the organs and, and uh, stuff like... He didn't really go into that, but specifically talked about... Sense he talked smells. about... He talked about them being healers. Essentially, it's... To me, I interpret it more as kind of a shamanistic type yeah. of, of thing because they Definitely. they were they were using everything from the concepts that even today. I mean, I just was I just picked up some some beard balm that had lemongrass in it, and they talk about the properties of lemongrass, and that goes back to hoodoo teachings about what the properties of lemongrass were. So the fact that we understand that it does certain things like repels certain bugs and stuff like Correct. that is is straight from natural medicines natural medicines natural exactly. medicines and natural remedies for for everyday things from bug repellent to i have a rash on my elbow healing or stuff like they're that. healers which That's is all, why all i said shaman is, you know? they, so that root john the conqueror or high john yes what is it hi okay so hi john uh is an ultimate uh protective object used for uh everything from personal safety to virility, uh, virility um, it's traditionally carried by a man rather than a woman because it's connected to it's connected to a man because virility. of what it looks yeah. like. It, it looks kinda, like a sack, right? It does. Testicle. It looks like testicle. Testicle. Like a testicle. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's it's used for, <laughs> for a bunch of things. You know, uh, you asked me the difference between hoodoo and voodoo. Voodoo is going to become a, lo- a little bit later, where you have uh, the Catholic uh, background kind of mixed saints in and saints and stuff like that. It's, it's a Western Western African religions all. With Put, Catholicism. With, oh, yes. Oh, then, then that's how you got Santeria. In a very quick little snippet without going into details. Okay. Simple. Very simple. Easy. So that's where we're at with this. So um, that was a pivotal point in Frederick Douglass's life. When, right. he ran, when he ran into this guy, he was, he was dealing with one of the harshest slave owners around in the area. In yeah. the area. Mm-hmm. And he was being broken not only physically but emotionally and mentally and he was really he he was getting to a point where he couldn't take this anymore and by by meeting with Sandy Jenkins and Sandy Jenkins giving him that route to put in his pocket it was the beginning of a positive thought and his mm-hmm. intention to no longer be a slave to be he free. could still be he could still be a slave physically but in his mind he was no longer going to be rising a slave above. and he was going to fight back with it Correct. and this root he believed gave him strength and even they go into detail Mitch goes into detail about two different accounts that Douglas gave about his history with what he went through with the slave owner and how he met Sandy Jenkins and and it was always a little bit of like whether he wanted to actually believe this in this hoodoo or this 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 
power that he had in his pocket or whether it was in his mind or whatever it was, but he never, even in his two different accounts of it, he never specifically like discounted it. So it was pretty clear that this was definitely something that was pivotal, pivotal for Douglas to create that intent to move on and eventually became one of the great abol- abolitionists of the time he was fighting one of, like, against slavery. He was the top guy, yeah? for sure. So that's where we leave off on Chapter 6. And that's it. And, you know, follow get along with book. us. Get the book. Check get it out. There's the so much more in there that we, we well, we want you to read it. So yeah. we're not going to cover the whole thing. Yeah. But at the same time, check it out. It's very, very. It's a it's a history lesson on on a cult in America. So and religion, religion, yeah. religion spirituality, spirituality. And, I mean, and you name and it all. Transcendentalism. It's, he did all the work for you. Yeah. If you were to, if you had to do the work and say, hey, you know what? I want to. Do you see the references in here? I did. It's amazing. It's it, ridiculous. It he did a lot of cross referencing. He did a lot of really, really a lot of work to get this put together into twelve. What is it? Twelve. Twelve chapters. It's ten. Eleven. 11 chapters with the, and then the, he, the, the final, yeah, yeah, the closing minutes. Yeah, whatever. Um, and <laughs> look forward to the chapter with the, uh, talking about Manly P. Hall. Oh, yes. Manly that P. Hall. is freaking awesome. That is really That's, awesome. We'll cover that yeah. as one of them on the, uh, on the next episode. Can't wait. He's a big, big influence in my life. And where I met Mitch Horowitz, oddly cool. enough. All right, I guess and wrap let's wrap it up. It up. Right. I want to thank Samson, Samson, Road, and Sweetwater. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And thank you, our listeners. Please like, follow, and share. Thank you. See you next time. Get the book.